Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Ravens. Nevermore. WrestleTalk. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello Swap Nation and a hello to you Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? I'm good because today is wrap day on our top secret project. Yes, that we're not going to talk about just now. But I we... mean, it's actually, by the time this goes live, it's kind of already been announced. But what if I launch it early? Like, what if I post it like at lunchtime? Yeah, don't. I mean, I, I mean, there's always an option. I could not do that. The uh, yeah, and we're going for a little rap party tonight. So excited! Emphasis on the rap. Yes. Drop the W, because <laughs> Chopper Pete's in the house. We've got karaoke booked for an hour. You better believe Mum's spaghetti's gonna come out. Do you know what I was doing on my way into work today? I was going through my iTunes because I still have iTunes. Um, going through all the artists and writing down artists to search for when we get to karaoke. There's seven of us and only an hour. Yeah. So realistically, you're going to get one song. What, one solo each. Maybe we should do that. I know what mine is. What is yours? Well, All Saints, Never Ever. Good. I mean, I had that down. I've got it. That's mine. Yeah. That's my jam now. Yeah. What's yours? I'm going to do um, Alanis Morissette, You Ought to Know. How does that one go? And I'm here to remind yes, you of the mess you... It's a banging tune. But anyway, let's crack on into the show. We'll probably talk more about this in the outro. Fun show today. It's the magazine okay. show. Oh, it's... Oh, hype it up, man. It's, <laughs> it's consistently okay content. Yes. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, potential NXT draft moves. Uh, from a Tom Collihue report. We've also got chat about Seamus' old entrance music. Two men alarms. WWE propaganda on the network, which is a lot of fun. And uh, your mailbag questions. Here is the show. (laughs) 
let's get in to the draft 2020 predictions because Tom Collahue has said in his most recent video this week that yes, the plan still is to have a shakeup after WrestleMania. So this is this the draft? Is yes. this going to be like okay? But what, no, my point was, are we going to have a superstar shakeup after Mania and then a draft <laughs> later in the year? Um, I would say no. I think that the, he doesn't go into that, but it seems like you have a draft like we did back in October when SmackDown went to Fox and Raw got Paul Heyman properly booking everything there. So that's that was a proper draft where people where you get that weird robot thing yes. in the war room between the networks. Yeah, Pepsi Man. I think the post-WrestleMania shake-up is like a soft version of that, where, huh, some people just turn up, yeah. and there's no real announcements or concept behind where people are going. It's a way to have, and it's a very smart way to have, two post-WrestleMania episodes of Raw and SmackDown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you get the post-WrestleMania, few debuts there, and then a full shake-up version with... I guess the SmackDown to Raw trades going on. Anyway, he said that while everything's going pretty well with the rosters and WWE are happy with what they've got in place, a few imbalances have started to appear. And that is chiefly, SmackDown has no baby faces <laughs> because The Miz turned heel. Fiend is like this nebulous, he's a heel and a face. Yeah. And Daniel Bryan, you know, he, he has turned, he's not heel anymore, but he's not, Fully face either, I would no. argue. Yeah, yeah. So they're lacking baby faces. That needs to be fixed. And on Raw, Becky Lynch has beaten all the women. Yes, which is really evident in the lineup for the Elimination Chamber because Sarah Logan's in it. So apparently, <laughs> all you've got to do to qualify for the Elimination Chamber these days is be on the roster. Or the Riot Squad. <laughs> it's like a Riot Squad reunion. It's like they looked at the Elimination Chamber and were like, oh crap, Charlotte's busy. <laughs> I think they just Call wanted Natalia to put Charlotte quick. in there. Uh, so that's, that's what they've got to fix there. And you're kind of seeing this already. Tom Collahue points out that they've got Shayna Baszler. They've had to bring up her from NXT, really, or sideways, rather. It's, it's hard to get the linguistics right now. I'm I'd so used to saying up. I'd imagine they still call it up. Yeah, yeah. And she's going to be facing Becky Lynch. And Charlotte, you know, the two top female stars on Raw... They've beaten everyone, so they're having to go to NXT to face other people. Because, you know, Charlotte won the Women's Royal Rumble. It's facing Rhea Ripley. Yeah, and I don't think that SmackDown is doing much better. Because they, I don't, it really feels like they've got no direction for the, the SmackDown Women's division. I figured they were going to do something with Lacey at WrestleMania. Yeah. Because Bailey kind of screwed her to win the title, or to, to, to retain the title at the Royal Rumble. So you, then you build up and you have the big Yay America winner mania. But apparently they're going to do Naomi instead, mm. which is great because Naomi's awesome. But it just feels like, well, what's next? What do you do with Lacey then? And what, what's Sasha Banks doing? I feel like SmackDown on the women's side has a nicer spread. You know, Naomi, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans has really come on leaps and bounds. Then you've got Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Carmella, yeah. Carmella, you've got like, but the Raw side... The highs are so much higher. Oh my, Becky yeah. Lynch, Charlotte, yeah. and then and Asuka, yeah. and then everybody else everyone is down else, here. Yeah. But whereas SmackDown is not as impressive in terms it's of overness, in the middle. but they're just all flattened out here. Uh, but yes, so it's the that since Royal Rumble, which I think is where Raw really, really started to get good. And I've said it the last couple of weeks, we are living through the best weekly wrestling TV period of all time. This is, it's so good right now. Raw 
AEW and NXT week after week. And, you know, it's, I tweeted this out two weeks ago and it topped it this week. Raw wasn't as good, but NXT TakeOver and that AEW show, yeah. good God, poor Smackdown. So, Heyman, the, the Otis and Mandy stuff is awesome. Yeah, but Heyman, since the Rumble, has started to you know, utilise Baszler. Riddick Moss just appeared. <laughs> I it is technically a call-up. What a game-changer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before then, you had Chelsea Green and... Um, uh, oh, um, Deonna Perazzo. Deonna Perazzo appeared. So it seems like, hey, I reckon Heyman is looking at NXT. He's always been a guy about developing new talent, and he's just he's itching to raid that box of toys. Yeah, oh, completely. Which is why I think it's very bizarre that the first person you've written down is Keith Lee to SmackDown, because that Keith <coughs> Lee feels like such a Paul Heyman raw project. Yeah, but SmackDown needs people. Does need its baby faces. I know. And I think Keith Lee is such a unique style of over that he can go against Roman Reigns. Yeah. I mean, not, not initially. I'm just, I think there is a lot of money in a, in a Keith Lee-Roman Reigns feud based off that Survivor Series interaction. But there's also money in, Ke in Keith Brock. Yep. Keith Braun Strowman. Well, this is what I was eliminated each other at Royal Rumble. So this is what I was going to say in terms of putting Keith Lee over on SmackDown. Is you also move Lesnar over because once Lesnar loses the title to Drew, what do you do with Drew, what do you do with Brock on on Raw? Well, he can float, can't he? He's yeah, but, always... yeah, but I think you move him over to SmackDown where he's almost got like a new fresh pool mm. of Roman Reigns to fight with. Um, and that way you can do, you can do Braun, you can do Roman, you could do uh, Keith Lee, importantly. And I know like Roman and Braun are sort of like old hat feuds at the moment, but they almost feel like they might be sort of new again because they're over on SmackDown. Might be able to present it slightly differently. I think moving Brock, because actually that moves him out of the title picture on Raw, might be the best move. Mm. I, d I just look at Keith Lee and I, there's something SmackDown about him. I'm not saying SmackDown in the last uh, eight months because it's been pretty rubbish, but SmackDown historically, mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, Sasha Banks, weirdly, also feels SmackDown. It's not a slight. It just, I feel like they would work so well on that brand. And, I, and he could easily walk into SmackDown as a top babyface. Definitely. Because they haven't got, like mm. in the moment on Raw, it's a stacked old babyface roster. Whereas on SmackDown, there is an open gap for someone to go and walk in and be the number two babyface. Because yeah. clearly, it's not Kofi anymore. Mm. You know, and Kofi was like number three at best when he was champion. So Keith has got that spot open for him to walk in and was like, I'm now the number two babyface on this brand. I think Finn Balor stays in NXT. Yep, I can totally see that. Um, United, United, Undisputed Era yeah. is one that a lot of people have spoken about, I mean, for years, but more so now because... Uh, Carl and Fish have dropped the tag belts. Uh, they've done everything they can do. It a feels like times over. yeah. It feels like the only thing left for them is to kind of self implode. Mm -hmm. So either you tell the self implode story in in NXT, which would be good, but I don't know if that's what I want more than them just coming up to the main roster. Yeah, but if you're going to put them over onto SmackDown then are you not just going to have four new heels on an already sort of stacked heel side um, and have them sort of feuding with the New Day mm. when you could, I don't know, because like, like, you're absolutely right, the Unsweet Era should be called up because there's nothing left for them to do in NXT. They need to have a new crop of people. My first instinct is to put them on Raw and have them going in Seth's group. Yeah, yeah. But like with Seth, we've actually got a question about this in the mailbag. I feel Seth and Drew is your SummerSlam main events, mm. like on the Raw side of things. 
So I don't know where you go with the, the Undisputed Era, but 100% they don't need to be in NXT. I just think SmackDown is in such need of a injection of You're absolutely right. momentum and energy. Yeah. And this, but you know, you could, you, it's a draft. It's not all one-way traffic of NXT up to the main roster. It's also cross-pollination from Raw and SmackDown. I'd, yeah, uh, but speaking of li like people who have nothing really left to do, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. I feel like they're NXT life. Yeah, I now. don't think they're coming up either. No, I, f I feel like they had their, what, two weeks on the main roster when they were part of that you mm. know, sort of Vince McMahon panic call-up. But I can 100% see Ciampa and Gargano being NXT lifers. Yeah. Yes. And, that, and that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think they'd be perfectly happy doing that. And I don't actually want them to come up to the main roster. Yeah, I, I love them, but... Vince McMahon's perception will be, these guys are small. They're small. Yeah, yeah. and it just won't work. I, I, I love them so much, and I was burnt last year in February. Can't believe that was only a year ago. Yeah, I know. It's probably, it's probably a year ago, like, to the week. Yeah, they, they had the panic call-up. Yeah. Um, to, the Velveteen Dream? Yeah, I could see Dream getting his, uh, getting his shot, getting his call-up. He is, he's a, again, like someone who feels like he's done all there is to do in NXT, even though he's only had one briefish run with the North American title. Yeah. But I don't see him as a, a NXT champion. No, and I can see you definitely putting him on SmackDown. Like, it's, SmackDown is a really weird beast mm. at the moment because like the, all the reports where it's going to be this super serious sports-based presentation. But if anything, it's the wackiest show that WWE yeah. do. It's like Funhouse. Like, it's a whole lot of fun with prizes to be won. So you put Dream over on SmackDown, where he can be full-on Velveteen Dream, and it would just slot right in mm. with all the other wacky stuff that goes on with SmackDown. Yeah, you wanted Brock and Ronda, <laughs> MMA legitimacy. Here's a guy with a split personality. Yep. Here's and a, here's and a, guy, a prince cosplayer. I was going to say, here's a guy who thinks he's a king. <laughs> Uh, there's so on the women's side, we've already seen Ripley, Rhea Ripley. I don't think she gets called up. I just think this is a way the Charlotte feud to give NXT a bump. I mean, crazy. What if Charlotte goes down? Goes down. Wins the NXT title, moves to NXT I actually, for six months. I was actually going to say the same thing because so the reports last year were that Charlotte was unhappy in WWE, and actually, you know, she said as much mm. because she doesn't feel like she's got a direction at the moment because the focus is all on Becky. So she's not going for championships now. You know, she won the Royal Rumble and she's going for the NXT Championship. This feels like it is a, di a purposeful direction to, yeah, maybe move her to NXT for six months, maybe even a year, just sort of move her there, Finn Balor it. And yeah. just say like, you're now gonna go to NXT where you can have, you can be the top B down here instead rather than trying to compete against Becky up on Raw. Um, and on that, I think, Bianca Belair might get a call up. Um, yeah, totally. Um, but this, um, this is not what I want to happen, but I think this is the reason it will happen. Becky Lynch needs people to feud with. Belair will come up after WrestleMania and be fed to Lynch in a two, three month program. Yeah, but, you can, but that's only if Baszler loses. Baszler could win the, the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Do you think she should? I think she should. Yeah. yeah. I think that you could definitely have Baszler win the, the, the Raw Women's title. Yeah. Because that then gives Becky Lynch something to go for. It gives Belair something to go and feud with. If you bring in Ronda back, you can slot mm. her into that role as well. And you can essentially kind of rebuild that Raw Women's division. Yeah. Um, and that injection of, Rhea Rip, of um, Bianca Belair is a really good call. Particularly as well, because Montez Ford is also on that brand. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, 
her husband. Yes. Uh, and I, my last one here, I put, but it seems like it might not happen just because they won the tag titles at TakeOver, uh, the Broserweights, is Matt Riddle to Raw. He's a total Paul Heyman guy. Total Paul Heyman guy. I, st- I think the Brock Lesnar stuff's a work. Yeah. Just the way it's been treated and come out. Oh, it's a total work. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, it's got Paul Heyman written all over it. Yeah. So I've got to think that there might be, Vince obviously, I, I actually do think Vince doesn't see anything in him. But mm-hmm. other, otherwise he would have, something would have happened. He'd have been probably. on the main roster already. And the Royal Rumble booking. Yeah, like, oh yeah, totally, yeah. Like you would have, if Vince actually saw something in him, there would have been a Brock... Matt confrontation. Anyone Everything else, I think, is a work. Eliminated in under a minute. Yeah. Uh, so I think there might actually be a bit of a tug of war between Triple H and Paul Heyman over where Riddle goes. He's 34 years old. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not... You, you, he's a great wrestler, but he's got this sort of youthful vibrancy about him. It's, it's shocking to think he's 34. Not to say that's old, but... I was going to say, I'm 34. Well, exactly. But for Matt Riddle, who's sto- stoner bro, long hair... <laughs> Am I 34? <laughs> I had to really think about that for a second. It, he does feel like a new, fresh talent in his mid-twenties. Mm. That, that, but he's only got like three, four years of that. Yeah. He'll be 40 in six years. Yeah, you can't be Michelangelo forever. Yeah, Eventually, you, you have to become Donatello. You have, to, you have to put him on the main roster soon. Otherwise, you're gonna, you are going to miss the boat. Um, I, you know, hopefully not, but every, the longer you delay it, the, the more risk you run of it not properly connecting. Uh, but yeah, I, d- I don't know what really happens. I think Matt Riddle to Raw. Uh, I think Paul Heyman wants him dearly, but he does hold the tag titles with Dunn. Yeah, and I think we're definitely heading towards Dunn turning on Riddle and you do a program with them. And maybe like you kind of run that until, you know, the SummerSlam period, maybe even like into the Survivor Series period, and you bring Riddle up with a draft or you bring yeah. Riddle up maybe later on in the year. You don't I think Riddle Brock screams SummerSlam. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good shout, yeah. So maybe you could do it before that. Or, or you do it at Survivor Series, because like you know, Brock and Survivor Series yeah. having his sort of like showcase matches. Um, the, so the underlying issue of all of this though, we were looking through the NXT roster before we started to sort of come up with these picks. And there'll be people screaming this in the comment section. Yeah. You're gutting the NXT roster. Well, we're not saying all of these, we want all of these to happen. We're just suggesting possible ones that could and the ones that seem to make most sense to us. But NXT isn't as stacked as... I thought it was. I was quite yeah. shocked. And it is one of the criticisms I've seen lobbied against NXT since the, the TV era of it, is that the, this roster is now starting to feel, not stale is the wrong word, but I think that, that's a hyperbolic word, but it is starting to feel like we've seen this. Mm. And they're all sort of doing the stuff that we've already seen. Particularly, I've seen a lot of people very down on Champa Gargano. Yeah. Again, like, you know, this is, We've seen this before, just now with the roles are reversed. I'm actually quite for it. Mm. Um, but having this sort of like big call up and forcing NXT to revamp itself and use some of these NXT UK guys and girls that you've got well, that's and it, yeah. use that as your feeder system to like rebuild. We've seen it with uh, Dev, um, uh, yeah, Devlin mm-hmm. coming over from NXT UK. He's now part of the, the NXT brand. There are so much, there's so much good talent in NXT UK that should be in the NXT system. Ilya, for example, like yeah, Ilya yeah. is being so wasted in NXT UK. You've got one of the like best talents you've got in the world 
and he's doing nothing. You put him onto NXT UK, and you can really rebuild that. And essentially, what NXT needs, it, it needs its new class. Yeah. The, I mean, like, I was just looking at the NXT UK roster and all the people they've got signed. And it, it encapsulates all of Europe, really, because you've got A-Kid, Alexander yeah. Wolf. Um, it's about the same amount as, and men's and women's, the same, oh no, not the women's, as the NXT roster. Yeah. Which is, which is lewd, ludicrous. Ludicrous. And, and, you know, it's, it's really done for cynical reasons in the NXT UK. It's to sign up talent to sort of suffocate the British independent wrestling scene. And stop them, yeah, stop them going to other companies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, the NXT UK is where NXT really should be looking to have their new class because of all the new recruits, like, the, the, the days are gone, I think, of, oh, wow, Austin Aries is, is going to be in the next class or, you know, b big names from Ring of Honor or PWG because they're going to debut on NXT directly yeah. or they're going to go to AEW. But yes. Um, right. Let's move on to AEW versus NXT. Should we do some ratings? Let's do some ratings. What is it good for? Hopefully a respectful critical discourse. Yeah. Uh, which is not what you see if you look at the replies to Brian Alvarez's weekly tweets about the... It is like, if you want to see the worst of wrestling Twitter, is to look at those replies. Should I have a look? <laughs> so all he does is tweets. He just tweets numbers. The numbers. And no and opinion. And there is always just like, oh, we're killing, N we're killing NXT, we're winning the war. Oh, it's not as much as Raw gets. It's, uh, it's always quite bad. Yeah. It's... Well, there's uh, NXT being super kicked by AEW on the Sammy Guevara, Matt Jackson spot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good walk us through the... Uh, so, well, it was a great week for both shows. Both shows up this week. Dynamite averaged 893,000 viewers, which is up 9% from last week and isn't too far off what they got for the whipping episode a couple of weeks back. I, I don't think that's... Well, the big looming thing in the background is... Both shows were up against the juggernaut of the Democratic debates. Which we'll come on to shortly. Which was actually the best match. Have you seen any of the highlights? I have not, no. Screw you, Bloomberg, <laughs> is, is, the, is the fun thing there. He, like, it's like, it's a fatal four-way where all the baby faces team up against the heel. <laughs> it's very cathartic. Um, so yeah, Dynamite was up 9% from last week, uh, got a 0.31 in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is up 3% from the prior week, and it finished 5th in the cable TV ratings. That's amazing. Which is really good. And NXT was up 5% to 794,000 viewers and got a 0.25 in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is up 4% <laughs> from last week, finished 16th in the ratings. Um, in fact, for NXT, Aside from the unopposed show that they did on Christmas, it's the highest total viewership that NXT has had since late December. It's a post-takeover episode. Mid-December, yeah. It's a, it's a pay-per-view bump, which uh, Raw and SmackDown have managed to convince us all wasn't a thing anymore. But yeah, it's, it is a definite trend for AEW and NXT. Post-pay-per-view, post-takeover, there's a ratings bump. And, NX, uh, and AEW won big in the 18 to 49 male demographic. So big, big night overall. But what was interesting about it is that for the first time, historically, you know, it's since October, NXT has always won the over 50 category. Like that is their audience. Mm. It's, it's this over 50 category. It's this sort of WWE, I grew up with this. I'm going to watch all the products that they put out. But this is the first time that AEW and NXT actually tied. 
And I think part of that is an older audience being excited for cage matches on TV. But also, as uh, they wrote in the, the um, figure four daily, the democratic debate likely hurts NXT more than AEW, given the debate did a monster rating in people over 50, mm. the category that NXT usually wins. So those over 50s weren't watching wrestling. They were tuning in for the democratic debate instead. I think a lot of people were. I, I would... I, I really, really wonder what that the AEW viewership would have been if it wasn't for that 20... The, the, the Democratic debate's got about 20 million viewers. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Absolutely huge. But bigger than basketball, or, you know, almost double the figures of what Raw goes up against with the Monday Night Football stuff. So huge amount of viewers tuning in for that. And it's like... AEW at the start of the year had a 940 to 960,000 viewership range. That's what this show should have got. I even think with the cage match, this show should have got a million, million viewers. Yep. And I think maybe without the democratic debates, they would have done that. Yep. It's only a, what is that? It's under 10% more viewers that they, they needed to get over that 1 million mark. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the debates hurt it. But we'll see next week. Go home show next week before yep. Revolution. Uh, the, the show after that will be the post-Revolution show. I believe the show after that is potentially that New York show with Brody Lee's debut. There's the looming spectre of Matt Hardy in there. They've got some, there's a lot of places they can go for views in this. Yeah. And Matt Hardy, you know, proven ratings draw. Yeah, I mean, Impact's best ratings were the Matt Hardy-led broken episodes. Like when they essentially gave Matt, it was like, you do your show, you essentially take over this entire show. Those are the best ratings that Impact did. And just two weeks ago, WWE rewrote all of their plans based on the Matt Hardy segment that yeah. drew so many uh, viewers. But yes, uh, the again, as always, the best headline is loads of people watched very, very high-quality wrestling on a Wednesday night. Yes, love it. Absolutely love it. Right, take us through your favourite story of the week. Two man alarms. <laughs> two man alarms. It's a shameful oh, thing. Lobster head. So, I, don't, I wouldn't say this is my favourite story, but it's one that we... Missed, didn't get a chance to cover in the news and stuff. And it's Seamus appeared on The Bump. Yes. Which is WWE's YouTube show. Which I'm reliably informed is not Todd Grisham shouting at TNA fans. <laughs> and Seamus, yeah, Seamus was the interviewee. And he revealed that when he came back earlier this year, he wanted to use his old entrance music. Yeah, the shameful thing, Lobster Head song. Which fans love to fill in their own lyrics for. Too many lines. Because it's quite incomprehensible. <laughs> incomprehensible. <laughs> two man alarms, two man alarms. I would say every couple of months, me and my friend text that to each other. If we're going shopping and I'm buying limes, I will take a photo of those limes and text it to him <laughs> and say, I'm buying too many limes. It's, it's really funny, <laughs> but it's also a banging song. It's a banging tune, mate. I, I do like, she Seamus has managed to have two actually very good pieces of entrance music because I, I also like the dun 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 dun. But yeah, Seamus wanted his old theme music back. This is the quote. I actually wanted to have my original music back. I pushed for that. I pushed for that and I was denied. I wanted it. It's a shameful thing, lobster head. <laughs> Or whatever it is. People make up their own. Too many limes, too many limes. But he said the reason WWE denied that, the powers that be, he said, don't know who that is. Vince. I brought this to the powers that be, and they basically said 
they don't remember it. 100% Vince then. I was told they don't remember this song. They said it was outdated. Well, it is 10 years ago. Yeah, but the his other tune, I would argue, is more generic Celtic stuff. Yeah. I, I it, it is a shameful thing, Lobster Head. <laughs> I, I thought that would actually... Ah, but maybe it would give him a baby face pop coming back with that music. It does feel quite like a baby face. And he thing. is a heel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting. It's, it's just a, another example of WWE wrestlers actually voicing minor or, or larger frustrations with the company. You know, you mentioned Charlotte. We've had uh, Becky Lynch with the, the pay stuff. And it's, you don't know what's kayfabe, what WWE have actually told their wrestlers to go, you know, be a bit more truthful in the interviews. We're giving you a bit more birth so you can make, so they're just not all copy and paste segments. Yeah, well apparently Naomi had an interview recently where she said that she requested to go to NXT. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. during that sort of like time when she was off for ages, she was asking, don't send me to either Raw or SmackDown, send me to NXT. Yeah. And I think she'd actually quite enjoy going down there for a bit. I think a lot of wrestlers would be like, it's almost like, a, that's why I said the Charlotte thing earlier. Mm. I think for her it'd be like a breath of fresh air to go down again. Um, so. My favourite story of the week is I've watched the first two episodes of the oh. Ruthless Aggression documentary series on uh, the WWE Network. I can't wait. Uh, I, I, I love, even if it is North Korean propaganda, yep. I love wrestling documentaries. And I particularly love WWE's wrestling documentaries because they've got such incredible archive footage oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the people that they hire make such really good shows. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, like, the Ruthless Aggression era is not an era I'm particularly interested in because it was the era that made me stop watching wrestling. Um, I'm, you know, I was one of those Laps fans that tuned out after when the Attitude Era ended. Because there was the Ruthless Aggression era. That was only on SmackDown. Well, it was Raw, Raw was just dominated by Triple H. But Raw was the kickstart of the Ruthless, because that's where Vince McMahon cut the Ruthless Aggression mm, promo, okay. and then Cena kind of sort of opted it for <laughs> his promo. Um, so yeah, so like it's, but it is a really interesting time to look back at it because it is very much like they have they've positioned this to be like this is when the stars we have now were born because it's got all that OVW footage yeah. and it got interviews with Jim Cornette and stuff like that. So it is very interesting. Um, it's not as good as the Monday Night War series that they did uh, when the network launched, but I wanted to highlight my four favorite uh, North Korea propaganda rewriting of history. Lay them on me. History is written by the winners and rewritten in this case. Um, the first one is, um, so the second episode, I actually accidentally watched them out of order. I watched the John Cena episode first and then watched the first episode. Um, but they talk about how Cena was booed. You know, and he was, uh, the fans turned against him, but they quite rightly say that men didn't like him, kids and women did like him, and he shifted a load of merchandise. Like, that all is very true. And they said, <laughs> going into his WrestleMania match with Triple H, when the crowd were really booing him, but the reason they were really booing him is because everyone in that time really loved Triple H. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was paused on the fridge like, huh, well that's an interesting way of looking at it, I guess. <laughs> and then, Ugh. so they say, oh yeah, well Triple H was just so beloved by fans that uh, they, they had to boo John Cena, which is why they were against him. But the following year when he headlined against Shawn Michaels, that turned the fans around. And then from then on, John Cena was cheered by everyone. What? Yeah, they really do position it as like, so he got booed by Triple H. He got booed against Triple H. 
But once he beat Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, that oh, turned the tide. Come on. It's a very, very funny way of phrasing it. My other favorite, uh, this is in the first episode, is that it's around the invasion. They talk about, you know, we bought all this WCW talent, didn't really know what we we're going to do with it, but we were going to launch WCW Nitro. Now it's going to take over Raw, mm. and SmackDown would become the WWF show, and we'd create our own little intercompetition. And then we had the show in Tacoma, the famous show in Tacoma, which was headlined by Buff Bagwell and Booker T for the WCW Championship, which the crowd turned on. Absolutely, the crowd turned on it. And they did present it as this is Nitro. This is WCW. We have taken over Raw. And this is what we're doing. But the way that this documentary says is like, the crowd turned against it. And WCW was never heard from again. <laughs> that was the start of it. Like, that was the start of the invasion storyline that went through until Survivor Series that year. It's just, and you know, you're putting on a, a WCW match in front of the fans that you've taught for five years hate WCW. Yeah. And you expect them to cheer and not crap on it? Yeah, they just, and it's weird because they don't talk about the invasion pay per view, despite the fact there is the biggest non-WrestleMania pay-per-view oh. they've ever done. They just pretend like that Tacoma match was the end of the invasion angle. That's weird. But my other favorite, and this is the last one I'll bring up, because this one really made me laugh, is they talk about how, man, we went through a really rough period because we lost Rock. Rock went to Hollywood. So like losing Rock, that's bad enough. Yeah, yeah. We also lost Austin. Two of your biggest stars of all time. The two biggest stars they had, they lost. And you know what? Ratings really went down, house show attendance really went down, merchandise really went down. But Vince McMahon is a genius. Vince McMahon made a change, and that change no. was dropping the F and turning it to WWE, and all the problems were solved. No. And attendance was back up, merchandise was fine, oh the ratings flew God. back up, and everything was grand. <laughs> You are kidding me. That's <laughs> pretty much how they position it. They changed the name. It was Vince McMahon's choice, and that's what turned the tide. No. Good grief. I know. As pandas go like, no, it was us. We made you change. Yeah, just in case you don't know the story, the World Wildlife Fund, who have been in a legal battle with WWF at that point for ages, where it's WWFE, that was the agreed thing, World Wrestling Federation Entertainment, but Vince McMahon just decided to ignore that and called it WWF. And the actual WWF were like, stop doing it. Yeah. The, the agreement was, you are allowed to say World Wrestling Federation, but you cannot say WWF because that's our trademark. We own those three letters mm. in concurrency as a name. So they were like, okay, yeah, cool. We'll just call it the World, World Wrestling Federation. And then just kept saying WWF in everything. <laughs> it's such a... <laughs> Vince McMahon way to do things. Yeah. Just trailblaze until you're legally stopped from doing it. Uh, yeah, uh, well, that's ridiculous. I got, but I cannot recommend you watch it enough. It's actually, it's a fascinating documentary mm. series anyway. The John Cena episode is really good and the, the first episode is really good as well. I'm really enjoying the series. How long is it? 10 episodes, like the Monday Night Wars, well, or the, is it shorter? I don't know, because they're, they're doing it week by oh, week, okay. like they did with the Monday Night yeah, War yeah, yeah. one you get in. So it's, I, I don't know what like the next few episodes are, but... The John Cena one is interesting because it's nothing you haven't heard before, but it is like all the, the prototype OVW mm. footage that's all in one place. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Indeed, if you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount and leave your comment in the community section labeled mailbag. Do not email me, I will just lose it. This first one comes in from Chris Thorne, who says, this is more of a question for Luke since Ollie isn't a mark. Do you think the Undisputed Era should turn face before breaking up? They're definitely easy to cheer as heels, but I think they have a lot to offer the tag division without being in the title picture. But they've done everything there is to do two times over. Yes, yeah, that is a problem. I uh, I used to love Red Dragon as a as a sort of face team. They were sort of a badass face team. Um, Adam Cole, that really does eventually have Shawn Michaels' baby face written over him. 
Roddy, another great baby face. They're, they, they're all so good individually. But the, I think they should just go up to the main roster as a heel act yeah. and tell a heel story up there. Two years down the line, that's when you turn the face. Yeah, and, exactly. and you can fracture people off. You don't want to almost like shield this, where you had like the shield had their heel run, then they turned them baby face and then broke them up three months mm. later. You want to turn them baby face and then have them long run as them yeah. with a group. But yeah, you can do that on the main roster. Um, Okay, well, this is interesting. So last week we said this was from Bobo Jacobo, but he does clarify here. He says, Hi, Luke, and not so virgin oil. O oil Ollie. Get it? It's an olive oil joke. I'm typing this right after hearing my mailbag question where I predicted you pronounced my name incorrectly. Now, I do want to specify. He didn't spell it phonetically. He essentially set us up to fail there. When you pronounced it in English, it's actually supposed to be in Spanish. It's pronounced Bobo Hacabo. Hacabo with more emphasis on the co. So Bobo Hakobo, Hakobo, mm -hmm. Hakobo. Um, uh, see, my name is Jacob, or Jacob maybe. And my girlfriend, who is from Mexico, showed me this Mexican hard rock band called Molotov. They have a song called, I can't say that, which roughly translates to, that doesn't make you stupid, Jacob. I know my name <laughs> is basically self-deprecating as it calls me stupid Jacob, but it rolls off the tongue and most Americans have no idea what it actually means. Most. English don't know what it means either. Um, with that out of the way, my question is for Luke. Would you rather buy $150 or Euro equivalent, pounds, um, pair of jogging bottoms want, or have to try on jeans before you buy them for the rest of your life? Try on jeans, that's an easy question. And probably the better thing to, you should the try the jeans on. And the only reason I don't do it is because I'm lazy. And I've got, and I've got no time for clothes shopping. Mm. I've got my one pair of jeans, they fit me in probably, what, a year's time, I might have to replace these jeans. Mm -hmm. Then I'll, you know, I'll maybe I'll do that. Um, uh, P.S. I expect a lot of sarcastic banter from me in the future. Just, you know, none of it's serious. I truly respect and appreciate everything you do. Oh, thank you very much. Frank Botello. Hey, lads, no question after listening, uh, no question, but after listening to the Magazine Show podcast with the Oscar talk, I just want to say I do agree with everything Luke said about the Oscars. I agree with the cynical talk on why Parasite won over 1917, which was the favourite to win. However, Parasite is the closest thing to a perfect movie, almost as good as Sonic, and did deserve to win. No one had a problem or raised an eyebrow in it winning, just joy and happiness. With that said, the reason why I like the Oscars is why I predict winners like wrestling pay-per-views, like which actor not only gave a great performance, but knows board members mm. like Laura Dern played a character that has never given an Oscar to Renee Zellweger. Um, or throws Oscar after parties every year like Elton John. These type of things influence my predictions and win at the Oscar prediction party with my friends. Ugh. Here's to more great movies being recognized or not. That's good. Yeah, like you look at the political backstage maneuvering behind the Oscars as well. Yeah. That is fun. I never really thought about it like that. No, I mean, it's, it's very clear for the Golden Globes because literally yeah. the studios buy those nominations. Um, but yeah, and that's a lot of fun. I saw Parasite over the weekend. I thought it was very good. But that's it. <laughs> I got dibs. Uh, my best friend, brother, and I have been huge wrestling fans since 1986, and this weekend's NXT TakeOver <gasps> Portland will be my first live show. Taking two signs, and one of them is a lovingly hand-painted support oh, WrestleTalk sign with a WrestleTalk logo, and the other is the BUS and dibs are NXT. <laughs> I want to send pictures so you can keep an eye out for them. Where shall I send them to? Well, he sent them to us on Twitter. We, I think we yeah. featured them on our social media this week. That's awesome. Yeah. To, to, that for, to be your first ever live what, wrestling show. What, what a show. crowd you were. Sean Dunn, hey guys, crazy prediction for AEW Revolution. Brandy turns on Cody. No. Brandy begins her rise to power in mm, AEW. No. Also, Dark Order capture Luchasaurus and make him Dark Lucha, or Luchasaurus no. is the exalted no. one. Do you have any crazy <laughs> predictions for a revolution? Uh, no, I don't actually. 
Oh, well, apart from, well, Matt Hardy wouldn't be able to turn up. It's like, <gasps> unless they won't overrun until past midnight, because technically the 1st of March mm. is when he could appear. Yeah. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll run a video promo for him. Yeah, they'll do like a big tease for mm. like, you know, just with that laugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Gardner, hey guys, but just listening to the Elimination Chamber 2014 review. Insert shameless plug for the Patreon. Shameful. <laughs> I was wondering, what is the biggest death spot on a show? For me, it's got to be trying to follow, follow oh, Rock and Hogan at Mania. I thought you meant like when Sammy Guevara leapt into the Matt Jackson super kick no. for death. Because uh, we yeah, were talking about it with the uh, AJ Lee and Cameron, like that match uh -huh. was designed to fail because they had to follow the Shield Wyatt. I th it's hard to pick one off the top of my head. Um, and th uh, was it Triple H Randy Orton after Taker and Michaels? That's what I was just looking for because it was WrestleMania 25, wasn't it? That was a huge mistake. Oh no, it was they had John Cena, Big Show, and Edge in the Triple Threat, and then Triple H Randy Orton, and that Triple H Randy Orton match <laughs> is. Effing boring. Yeah, and because everyone was emotionally drained by Taker Michaels there. Yeah. Um, oh, and totally like Rock and Hogan should have headlined WrestleMania X8. Like that is beyond obvious at this point. Um, Mr. Mini Donuts. Hello to everyone at Rest Talk, except for <laughs> Randy, and hope you're all having a big one. Big one. My question is who do you think on the WWE roster, including NXT, has the potential to be the next wrestler to break into the mainstream? Mm. Like John Cena, The Rock, and Stoke Hold Hogan. For my money, it's Matt Riddle. I, th I thought it could have been The Fiend, but then Hell in a Cell happened. Yep. I don't think The Fiend could have been a mainstream star. I disagree. I think he was already starting to cross over into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, d and I really felt like he could be a breakout star just because he, he was ticking so many boxes. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Helen Cell really has killed him. I don't think he's recovered. Uh, Matt Riddle. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think Keith Lee is someone you could read. Because, yes. Because like, he's such a... He's like a spectacle figure. He's also a really good looking dude. He's got charisma out the wazoo. He could be an absolute top star mm. in that company and really be like magazine covers, films, all that jazz. Really think it could be him. Alex Davey, uh, well it happened. It'll be four years uh, near SummerSlam time that I started watching WrestleTalk and I'm now a proud Pledgehammer. Oh, Not really you. sure why it took me for so long, but at least I'm here now. <laughs> there are several reasons why I love WrestleTalk. Firstly, of course, it's a lovely time with the boys. Goes without saying, really. Secondly, the chemistry between the presenters, especially Luke and Ollie, make everything about pro wrestling, even the duller parts, very listenable. Finally, because I studied politics at uni, I love listening and finding out what goes on in the background of the industry and, because Ollie is completely right in his obsession, with it, business, business, business. Please give me more of that sweet, sweet politics viewing figures profit <laughs> chat. So interesting to me. Anyway, no question included. Just wanted to say hello from here in Yorkshire. And thank you for the near four years I've watched and listened to Rest Talk. You guys are the most consistently consistent podcast on the interweb. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. And that's all we aim to be. Not the best, but just the most consistent yeah. in uploads. I feel like we're back on the consistency wagon. Completely. Oh yeah. Do you know what I love most about the mailbag as well? Uh -huh. It's always questions from podcast listeners. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> the best ones. Nicholas Walton, um, what if we're meant to see the terrible punch go, sorry, what if we were meant to see the terrible punch go from the Dark Order? What if Dustin Rhodes is the exalted one? I know this isn't true, but what if it was? What if AEW management anticipated the internet would pick up on this and decided to use it as a storytelling device? Yeah, well, the Raven example is very, very, like, what you've described is what they've done with Raven on this week's episode, which really is stunning. Uh, I don't think it is the case with the previous one because 
you're essentially drawing attention to wrestling not being real. You're opening up that debate. One of the arguments they're yeah, making is that this guy was purposefully missing Pulling him. the punches. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it. No. Uh, Tom Delves. Hey, dude. And Plumpy. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Never heard of Blumpy. it. Plumpy. Of Blompy A? Blompy. Blompy A. Oh, okay. Um, anyhow, um, could you see the Otis storyline ending in a Tucker heel turn? Heavy machinery go on a tear, destroying Ooh. everyone they face as they find out who it was that uh, find out who find out who text Otis. Eventually, it's found out that Tucker asked Dolph to because he thought Otis was too distracted by Mandy. This leads to a WrestleMania match where Otis finally beats Tucker, and we get the Mania Eight Elizabeth <laughs> Savage spot. Much love from New Zealand. I don't hate it. Uh, I actually, actually think quite it's quite a it. good storyline, but you know, way too early in Heavy Machinery's run to do that. I actually disagree. I think that Otis is already breaking out from that group, like right, from that team, and so you can just ride this momentum now. Reveal that it was Tucker that made that sent Dolph to in, in his place. It feels like an Enzo Big Cass situation to me, mm. where I'm not invested enough in the Tucker Otis relationship. Yes, true. To care about that turn yet. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, Flaming Live. I've had many debates on crowd chance and people saying, I bought a ticket, I can say and do whatever I want, but I feel there are <coughs> things you can and cannot do. I'm sure fans uh, around certain people will police themselves, i.e. can't start Nazi chants, but you can call a match ball S-word. Two questions. Hmm. What do you think are the rules of crowd chance? And two, do you think that fans should be more respectful like in New Japan? Uh, I'll answer two first. I think, you know, that's a cultural thing. Japanese fans don't actually make that much noise because they're appreciating the wrestling. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, a, it's fascinating as a cultural difference, but I don't think that contributes to a... I always think the crowd, a hot crowd, can bring so much more to a match. And that's really changed over the years in New Japan mm. as sort of like West, uh, as wrestling, the Western side of wrestling has sort of like really influenced Japanese wrestling. And, and, and their wrestling crowd. So where like wrestling crowds used to be like silent during matches with polite applause, they are now quite loud and they will do chants and they will really get into sort of the drama matches, which I think has only heightened New Japan matches more. Yeah. Uh, and on number one, the rules of crowd chants. Yeah, just uh, progress has got their don't be a dick yeah. thing. And yeah, so don't, don't say anything actually nasty, like homophobic, racism, misogynistic. Don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, transphobia. But, sort of the, stuff. but the rest of it will kind of self-police itself because a chant has to be more than one person. Yeah. So it's up to the rest of the crowd whether it's good enough. You know, like free market. <laughs> it's free market capitalism in its purest sense a chant getting over. Drew Porter says, hey guys, I was just wondering, with Elimination Chamber coming up, which is personally my favourite mm. WWE stipulation, <coughs> uh, but my favourite of all time is Ultimate X, which Impact used to do phenomenally. So my question is, what's your favourite stipulation and why? Ladders. Ladders. TLC. Is it you as well? Oh, TLC was always mine. Like, TLC matches used to get me legit, mm. like, excited. Hell in a Cell as well, but that's been really w uh, overlooked. Callum, in December, I used to watch one TV show, uh, in December, sorry, in December, I decided to watch one TV show each month. In December, I watched Lost. January, it was The Office, the US version. February, it was The Good Place. Uh, I just wanted to know what I should watch next. Also, what's your opinions on the shows above? Wow, you stormed through a lot of stuff. Lost uh, was really the first proper TV show I ever got into, and it's a really his historically important moment in actually TV programs where they've made. Uh, uh, but I hate it. <laughs> I hate it with every fibre of my being just the way they never had plans for anything. Uh, I love The Office US. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm watching that currently. I haven't finished it yet. 
Good place. Yeah, I haven't finished that either. You have. I have. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, really, yeah. really like it. I love seeing Chidi pop up in other things now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Chidi! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so you lost the first season of that started before I went to university, I think. Um, or maybe it was, in, no, it was in my first year of university that Lost came out. It might have been my second year. Either way, I remember getting obsessed with that first season and being like, wow, this is really, really cool. Yeah. And then I watched the first episode of series two and be like, oh, this show has no direction <laughs> because they're just asking more questions, not answering any of the ones we've already set up. And I just completely fell out with it. Yeah. I think the US office is okay. And I think The Good Place is as close to a perfect television show as you're gonna get. Mm. Um, what should, what should they watch next? Twilight Zone. Park, <sighs> Parks and Rec, if you haven't. Parks and Rec. Go on, uh, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mamad... Marmaduke... Sorry. Uh, hello, WrestleTalk. I have a question for you. I heard in one of your latest podcasts that wrestlers like the Undisputed Era, Lee, Bianca, and Rhea should go to Raw or SmackDown, which is interesting because that's what today's topic is. But is this the right move to do if they want to establish NXT as a third brand? If they, example, go in the next two to three months, I don't think NXT can be the same quality as it is right now. In my opinion, NXT should be treated as the other brands, brands in the draft. Wrestlers come to their brand and some of the names will leave for the other brands. Thank you for your work. Support WrestleTalk. Yeah, totally agree. That's the way to do it, actually. We were talking about NXT potentially being gutted. Move those underutilized Raw SmackDown stars to NXT. Yeah. Re refresh them. You've got... You've now got a territory system at your disposal where you can move people around to freshen up their gimmicks. Completely. Nathan Barnes, hey guys, with Elimination Chamber approaching next month and your recent review of the 2014 edition dropping on Patreon in the last few days, I've been thinking about how WWE's big marquee gimmick matches, namely the Chamber, Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, could play a more collective role in determining the top contender matches at WrestleMania. Now he goes into quite a big, I've had to shorten this down, I'm very, mm. uh, very sorry Nathan, but essentially he points out Survivor Series means nothing, but he suggests the winning team in Survivor Series qualifies for the Elimination Chamber, so they make Ooh. up the five, and they go against that brand's champion inside the chamber. Oh, that's a great idea. So that gives Survivor Series stakes. Oh, I love that. I Never really like it as well. That. Yeah. He says this would serve to make the Royal Rumble winner's choice of champion even more interesting. They could either pick a champion they know will still hold the belt at Mania or run the risk of picking a champion who may lose the belt to one of the other five competitors. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. You've effectively made Survivor Series through to Mania. But you've extended the role, uh, the build. That's, and that's a great idea. That's what he says here. Great I idea. think the run of huge marquee matches from November through to WrestleMania has more stakes and interconnectivity, which would make them more engaging and allow for booking of better feuds and stipulations. Yeah. Uh, you also had really enjoyed seeing the uh, channel and community grow over the years, and you're killing it in more and more these days. Long may it continue. Nathan, that is an ace, ace idea. Mm. Love it. David McKinnon, why people don't stop attacks. Mm. It's not perfect, but here's my logic from when I was younger that I still hang on to. Wrestlers have a schedule, or schedule if you're American. Uh, example, Edge addresses the WWE Universe. That's his schedule for that day. If that's at the start of the show, you know you don't need to be there Sorry, if that's at the start of the show, you know you don't need to be there for it. And if it's at the end of the show, you know you can leave early. Also means people that show up late know they're not on until the main event. Also helps with why people show up early. I see Seth has a promo. I'll show up early to deal with him. Yeah, I do. it doesn't work. I, but, you know, whatever helps you make sense of the inconsistencies. Uh, Ked, what's up, WrestleTalk? With this year's Mania being pirate-themed and next year's being Hollywood, what ridiculous scene would you give WrestleMania 38? Jurassic Park! <laughs> I didn't think you were going to go there. But do you know what my thought was? 
future. Space. Yeah, exactly. Like future sci-fi. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Penn, if you could get a ticket to any show or event, what would you uh, what you, what would you want a ticket to? Should we do it at the same time? Yeah. Three, two, one. Or Rumble. Rumble. Oh. <laughs> you thought we were going to say Royal Rumble. Well, if it's a future event, then yeah. But if like a past event. I see. Being a part of that yeah, all in yeah, crowd yeah, would have yeah, been amazing. Right. But if I could pick any WCW one night stand. Oh yeah, yeah, good shout. Yeah, if I could pick any current WWE show to go to, it would definitely be the Rumble. Uh, that guy who wants to support. Hello there, you lovely and ever-expanding WrestleTalk crew. Do you think that AEW not doing a show over WrestleMania weekend is a good or a bad thing? Have a nice conversation and great weekend. P.S. Where did Chopper learn those sweet, sweet moves? Dance Chopper. Uh, I don't think it's. I think it's actually the the smart thing to do. Um, if they were to do it, they would instantly be criticised for trying to capitalise on WWE's popularity. In the same way that if WWE or NXT tried to run a show in um, Chicago over All Out weekend, they would be criticised for trying to capitalise on AEW's popularity. So I think actually just keeping them separate, I think AEW should you know invite more companies to run shows around that All Out weekend mm, and make it mm. like wrestling because that's what WWE were, tr were trying to shut down. There's a period a couple of years ago when. WWE wanted WrestleMania to be the only show on in a weekend, and they were asking venues to not book wrestling shows in a certain radius because they didn't want it to be this big wrestling carnival. I think AEW should 100% embrace that. Um, a cheeky pint with the boys, Leroy. Hi, Luke and Ollie. Thank you for the belated engagement. Congratulations last week. Still not married, but it is my fiance's birthday this week, so many cheeky pints will be Ooh. had. My question is, when you live stream WrestleMania this year, will you go all out and dress as pirates? <gasps> Probably not. It's a long show, <laughs> yeah. and cheap costumes are itchy and not that breathable. Uh, Austin Tusty, hey guys, with all the <laughs> title matches for Mania seeming to be in place, what do you think will be the best use Ooh. for Seth? Do you think they will keep up the Owens and Joe thing until Mania or something new? Personally, and I, I cannot believe how much I'm going to agree with this, oh, Austin. No. I think renewing his feud with <laughs> Triple H would be cool. Triple H doesn't have anything for Mania at the moment either. Seth could go over and then after that, Triple H could use the there's always a plan B line we use with Seth at turn on the shield and set up Seth versus Buddy Murphy. I don't like it. I think Seth and Buddy needs to be together for a lot longer. I, I, I'm cool with not having a Triple H match at Mania. Yeah. I wouldn't mind not having a 25-minute lumbering match on the show. With a 15-minute entrance. Uh, Jobber JJ, hello, Swamp Nation and WrestleTalk crew. Finally got to listen to your Survivor Series 97 podcast you did for one. Patreon. Luke did a fantastic job on mm. gathering all that information. It deserves five stars. Yeah. You talked about Brett asking Bischoff to delay the move to WCW to finish up with the WWF. Watching a few of the Nitros, they obviously talk about the screw job. The next night, they have a ton of Canadian flags. They sing the national anthem in heel fashion. And next week, sign Rick Rude. They bury Sean and Brett. Um, and they call Brett a knockout kind of guy. So my question is, after the screw job, why didn't WCWE... Uh, why did and WCW ask Brett to start on the original date. P.S. It's amazing how in both WCW and WWF his career ended with Screwjobs. Mm. Have a thumbs up party. Simply, they couldn't. There was a contractual thing. He could not start until that contract had finished. That's why WWF's rewritten history of he would have shown up the next night on Nitro is bogus. Yeah. Because it couldn't have happened. And they could have just played the big money move. Let's do it anyway. But they had just lost the other WWF versus WCW court case. Yeah. 
Um, Dylan Tyrrell-Reeve, hey guys, I'm back again after a two-week hiatus from switching jobs, but Til Dylan Tyrrell-Reeve, aka Dylan from Cork, or whatever the rebel swaster <laughs> is back. People from Cork will understand that last one. I'm writing this no more than 15 minutes after I finished my great wrestling class with Irish promotion oh, Phoenix Wrestling. I was wondering, did you guys ever consider becoming a pro wrestler when you were younger, or do ever uh, do any training? Every single day. I would, I can't believe this now, when I was a teenager, between the ages of like, I don't know, 11 to 15, I would do 150 sit-ups a day. Wow. Looking back, they weren't right. <laughs> that I wasn't actually doing sit-ups. <laughs> and then I would eat uh, eight rounds of peanut butter sandwiches. Wow. So I thought I needed to bulk up and get bigger. And I didn't know anything about nutrition. The internet wasn't, I didn't know how it worked. So yeah, I, yeah, my whole my whole childhood I wanted to be a wrestler. And then I tried it when I was 25 and I hit my head and it scared me and I'm never gonna do it again. And you couldn't get the international right? Yes, yeah, yeah. You told me that story that you got into the headlock and you couldn't remember the next bit of it. So you were just like, I'm just really wrenching in that headlock. Yeah, and I thought <laughs> I'll get over with the character. And I was like, I'm the headlock master. <laughs> Six months before Owen started doing it. Yeah. Um, I yeah, always wanted to be a wrestler, did a lot of backyard wrestling because that was the cool thing to do in the early 2000s <laughs> uh, and sort of like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and as I've got a very bad back because of it, because I did it all unprotected and was not trained, like a lot of backyard wrestlers. Anyway, Cody Rose, is there any chance of getting an ad-free version of the audio podcast on Patreon? No. Yeah. It's too, it's too difficult to, to do. And also it's only like one ad yeah. in there. And Jonathan Hedman, uh, which is the better Adam and the Ants? Uh, which is better, Adam and the Ants or Solo Adam Ants? Also, which version of Ant Rap is better, the version with or without the harpsichord? <laughs> Jonathan Hedman, this is some deep Adam and the Ants lore. Yeah. I love Adam and the Ants. Like, top five of all time for me. This is a question for you then, my I man. I would say Adam Ant Solo. Um, give, us, give us some recommendations for, for Solo for Solo Ants. Two Shoes. Mm-hmm. Is it an album or is it a? That is. Well, a, my my Adam and the Ants knowledge the is the not Ants. that big. My it used to my Adam and the Ants. I was obsessed with him as a teenager again. So I am super behind. He actually released a, a solo album like five six years ago. It was, it was not that bad. He's a genius. It's a shame that his sort of addiction issues got the better of him. Uh, he's not dead or anything, but he you know he had to very creatively. Uh, crazy, but ant rap with the harpsichord. Because I, I knew this question was coming up, I intended to listen to some Adam and the Ants so I could uh, give some, you know, mm. some feedback onto this. Uh, I'm going to listen to Adam and the Ants all day now. But uh, and disappointingly, I just listened to Nirvana the entire way in. Samad <laughs> uh, Ali, this is our last question. Hey guys, I think AEW Revolution is going to be one of the best wrestling shows ever in the modern era storyline-wise. Wow. I'm more excited about this show than I was for NXT TakeOver Portland, but remember, they aren't competition. The reason I'm so excited for this show is because every match feels big time and it's had so much build and hype around it because each feud has had great build and storyline behind it, which has been continuously spinning. I don't know what match I'm most excited for. Cody versus MJF, Moxie versus Jericho, Bucks versus Omega and Page, Sammy versus Darby, Dustin versus Hager. Every one of these matches feels like such a big deal and I can't wait to see how they play out. Do you guys agree that AEW Revolution is one of the best built up to AEW pay-per-views they've ever done? Every feud has a great storyline behind it and it makes the matches even more exciting. I can't wait. I've already bought the pay-per-view and uh, 29th of February cannot come quickly enough. I don't think I've ever been as excited about a wrestling pay-per-view as I have for this one. I'm so happy for you, Sam and Ali, that you're, you're into AEW this much. And I, I'm, I'm right there with you. 
as you were saying it, I yeah, top to bottom, I cannot think of a show that has been this well built ever. Yeah. You know, even like the Wrestle Kingdoms, there's a few matches on there where you're like, <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's not a slight against what NXT and WWE are doing. And I don't think this is mostly NXT's fault. It's just that I think, particularly on the main roster, someone pointed this out quite recently. Now, WWE, Raw has got one show between Super Showdown and Elimination Chamber. So effectively, they've got to build three shows mm. at the same time, which really stifles a lot of the storylines they're trying to do. And Laurie and Pete have been saying the big problem with NXT Portland was they had to do World Collide, which kind of stopped all the, the build they were doing for Portland. Uh, whereas AEW, they've just got the one show to focus on. So they can build, they've been building from full gear to revolution. They'll build from revolution to all out, They'll, uh, to double or nothing, from double or nothing to all out. Well, I, I, would, I would actually, full gear through to the end of 2019, I wouldn't count. No. But ever, everything since the start of this year for revolution has, has really been exceptional, particularly the last four weeks. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that I think the, the build should have been from full gear through to Revolution, mm. but that full gear through to the end of the year, as you said, I don't think was, it's basically been the January reset yeah. has really, really helped to build for Revolution. And it's remarkable, because I always thought wrestling promotions, ideally, every four to six weeks needed to run a big show. And AEW's completely changed my mind on that. Mm. I thought I, I'm much prepared. Yeah, a lot of pod swafters represented in the Mailbag portion of the show. Love it, love it, love it. It's our most dedicated audience. Do you reckon? Yeah. Because we're coming into their ears hard. Oh, coming Three times so a week. I actually did this on the, on the old Twitterverse the other day because um, we've got a new social media manager, folks. She's amazing. She's doing absolutely amazing work. And she put up a tweet on uh, the WrestleTalk account that's being like, hey, if you like WrestleTalk, you should download the podcast. And there's a picture of you wearing a support WrestleTalk t-shirt pulling a silly face. And it's an excellent tweet. An excellent tweet, and I was like, so I just retweeted it saying, coming in your ears. It was just one of my favourite Peter K jokes from the, uh, the Phoenix Night days. Surely FM. Yes. And a lot of people was like, I don't, know, I don't think you realised how explicitly sexual that sounds. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I mean, th that's, that, that's the joke though. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't understand the reference, which I'd imagine a large portion of our American audience wouldn't understand the reference, that's fine. But to not understands that I did it on purpose. Mm. To be like, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but that sounds, sounds quite sexual when you say it that way. Maybe sometimes people know that and they point out the fact that you've made the joke as kind of a joke themselves. I, you know what I mean? No, I think these people were very earnest. Uh, Some people were like, oh, I'd, I'd rethink the wording of that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know, Luke, but you've implied that you and Ollie are jizzing in people's faces. <laughs> Specifically, there uh, is. Yeah, yeah. Any um, orifice. Yeah, so thank you all so much for being one of the best elements of the SWAF nation. Yeah. I personally believe, anyway. Speaking of. Do you of reckon they'll be overrepresented in the WrestleTalk live show? Well, I certainly hope so. I think we should have uh, PodSwafter t shirts <gasps> that people could wear that says, I am a PodSwafter. Or maybe we could do a bit, because, you know, folks, to, we've gone over it so many times, it's worth doing it again. There is a live WrestleTalk podcast before the wrestling show yeah. on Monday the 16th of March. Get your tickets from WrestleTalkLive.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's going to be us five, me, Luke, Laurie, Pete, Adam Blompier. We need to stop making him sound like such a big deal. Oh, do you not think he is? <laughs> yeah, no, it, 
The subs don't lie. I just think, you know, he's he's the newbie. Mm. You know, and we always haze, apart from Laurie, we always haze the noobs. Do you reckon Andy was like, yes, I'm finally not going to be <laughs> hazed anymore. And Pete joins. And then it's still Andy who gets hazed. Yeah. Adam joins. It's, it's still, still Andy, Andy that gets hazed. Uh, but yes, maybe we could do a thing there. We'll just be like, just a show of real life analytics. Yeah. Who is a pod swafter here? I like it. And then like some people might not, might not even know what pod swafter means. Mm, interesting. In, like, introduce them to a whole mm. new realm of this amazing universe we've created. We could do a sleeper agent thing where we only, so we decide on a word right now. Okay, yeah. And we'll, we'll say it in a few more podcasts leading like up. Yes. Only podcast part only though. Yeah, yeah. And when we drop it in the live show, mm-hmm. all of the pod swafters have to do something who are in attendance. I like it. To I... confuse a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I, I was just looking around the set and I was trying to think of what it could be. The first thing I saw was Bailey Bear. Bailey Bear? Bailey Bear. Bailey Bear. And what would the people do when they hear Bailey Bear? Well, oh, so you mean like doing it during the live show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you, what you meant was more that when people <coughs> like come up to us, because we're just going to be milling around, they just said, like, rather than say, I'm a fan of your consistent content, or you are broadly fine, they would just shake our hands and go, Bailey Bear. Bailey Bear. And, and we'll say, <laughs> a Bailey, Bailey Bear. bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the greater good. It's like our Hail Hydra. Yes, <laughs> Bailey Bear, yes. <laughs> There are so many ways you can do it. Well, we, we, we the creepiness, the creepiness of the secret handshake is up to you guys. <laughs> yeah. It's open for interpretation, but we will try and reciprocate it as best we can. Yeah. The only criteria is that you must say Bailey Bear. <laughs> and during the live show, if we say Bailey Bear, you've all got to say like almost like Hail Hydra back, Bailey Bear. Do you think so? Luke just did two fists, hands up, like the hail. Hydra. I I think it should be more like a we the oh, people. Oh, we the people. So yeah. one hand over the heart. You stand up and say Bailey, Bailey Bear. Bear. <laughs> oh, this live show is going to be fun. Bailey Bear. Well, if we remember this, <laughs> yeah. or if anyone does, it. <laughs> it could it could get to Tuesday's raw review. We would have totally forgotten about it. I mean, like, what's all this email correspondence about? And it'll end up being I'm like... gonna write it down. It'll end up being like uh, the last Prince Charles show that we did uh, with the King Me uh, instruction <laughs> that you wanted to do. Uh, which never happens in the movie. Because it's the wrong word. It's <laughs> crown me. Uh, right, so while Ollie writes that down, I've got a... Ooh, when I write bear into my phone, it gives me the option Port. of a bear emoji. Oh. So I'm going to put that there. Bailey Bear. Yeah. I didn't know I could have emojis in my little to-do app. <laughs> Todoist. If anyone needs a good to-do app, I've gone through a lot of them. Todoist is the one. Do you know who's Wouldn't just, you agree? Just, do you know who's just got on Todoist? <gasps> Hopefully Pete. My wife. Oh, really? Yeah. She's joined the Todoist train. She has, Is yeah. it working out for her? Yeah, she is. She loves it. And also, That's I hope good. it's Pete as well, the unorganised mess that he is. I, I have to ask him. To do the thumbnail on Sunday morning once more time, Pete. <laughs> um, right. Do you want an email about blue collar dream jobs? Yes. Uh, this one comes in from Mark, who said, "My dream job is something that doesn't seem interesting to many people, but as a musician, I think you will get it." 
Bearing in mind I'm a drummer, not a musician. <laughs> uh, I would love to open a musical rehearsal studio, but this one would be so unique as it would be free from damp and not make you <laughs> smell like, and not make your gear smell like an antique after a couple of hours. Something I've never experienced from a rehearsal space before. Love the extended outro talking about jeans and joggers. Now, if you could extend the intro and cut out all that wrestling flop <laughs> in the middle, everyone will be happy. Thanks for the great concept, Rockstar Dougal. You, you, one day, maybe you know, ten years from now. Maybe we do just do a podcast. <laughs> this sort of, the, it stops being the Rust Talk podcast mm. and just becomes Luke and podcast. I chat. No, just, com- just podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the podcast podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like it. Uh, yeah, I like that. I I imagine Abbey Road doesn't have damp in. No, I think there probably are made of ale. rehearsal studios that don't have damp. I think that's more of a budgetary thing than it is a business model thing. The, I cannot tell you the amount of times I walked, so we used to, our old rehearsal space, it was run by this lovely lad, but he really reminded me of James Franco's character in Pineapple Express. <laughs> like, he sounded the same as him, had the same hair, yeah. was like a proper stone thing, but a very good businessman, in the sense that he would ask you for your money at the end of the session, and if he said, can I pay you next week? He'd be like, that's fine, but I am gonna write it down. Mm. So he never forgot. That's called accounting. It is, it's very, very good. But the amount of times we would walk into an, uh, a space, one of the rooms, there's only three rooms, and it would stink to high heaven because the previous people in there would have been big, burly, sweaty mm. men, or other forms of sweaty men getting all sweaty in there. Because it was always metal bands that were in there, and they were just like thrashing around hard. So it would just be this really sweaty space. And I'll be honest, we contributed to that. Because if we had the early slot, you know, for the seven till nine slot, we would also sweat that place up. And then the other people had to come in and be like, oh, and we had to go, sorry, it smells in here well bad. But we are sweaty people. Very rarely has windows or ventilation, from what I've seen. Oh, then no, these are all like closed off areas. And I've seen pictures of you when, I never sadly got to see you perform. I think I was busy on your farewell gig. Yeah. But you would go topless. I would because I'd get too hot. Too sweaty. Too sweaty under all the lights and everything. Just a year and a half ago, Wrestle Talk emanated from one of these places. That's right, it did, yeah. In between the roof of our old studio collapsing and this lovely new place, we were for about a month in the recording studio down my road. But the one that we actually did that the rec- felt damp. The one we actually recorded in did have an annoying skylight because mm. we would always record the Wrestle Ramble at about midday, right when the sun was at its apex oh and shining in on us. <laughs> We'd set the white balance for a normal room <laughs> and it would slowly look like an atomic bomb had been let off. <laughs> and it was slowly. Was slowly blowing out the, the camera. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of joggers, I've been meaning to bring this up with you all week. I think I've turned a corner. <gasps> so, my wife and I were watching Sunday Brunch, and uh, Katie Wicks, comedian Katie Wicks was on there, who I think is awesome. I think she's so, so funny. Um, I, I absolutely, I've, I've loved her. I loved her on Taskmaster, and I really love her in Stathlet's Flats. And she was on there, and my wife turned to me and said, what do you think of those posh joggers that she's wearing? Does, does your lady partner know of the raging debate about joggers? Yeah, and I don't think she cares enough to right. kind of get involved. Uh, I don't think she likes them is sort of the, the, the mm. big takeaway of it, though. And I said, huh, I didn't even see that those were joggers. Mm. Those just looked like trousers. Yes. So I've now realised what my issue was. You were just wearing jogging bottoms. Simon is just wearing jogging bottoms. You're not wearing proper 
posh joggers. Because the proper posh joggers are the ones that cost like 80 quid or 100 quid. And I think those are the ones that actually- You've gone too far the other way! But what my point was, those are the ones that actually look like trousers, but are jogging bottoms. Whereas what you and Simon are doing is just wearing jogging bottoms and saying, these are posh now. They are not, yes, we are, well, this is it. I went for the interim step. I went for the 20 pound smartish joggers, but not, not the 80 pound. They smartish. are much better no, than normal not. joggers. They just look like jogging bottoms. Oh, I've got worse joggers. You'll be like, <laughs> you should be on a sofa. If I came, yeah, if I came in on my, in my gray I, jogging bottoms. And I didn't want to say this to you, mate, <gasps> but when you have worn these quote unquote no. posh joggers, How you look like you should be on a sofa. Dare you. How dare you? They are not. He of three quarter length <laughs> denim jeans. I don't have denim jeans. I do not have jorts, but I you do have do. my. I don't have jorts. The short ends below the knee. <laughs> Those aren't jorts. Those are three quarter lengths. Oh, I do have three quarters. The fact that we're having a debate <laughs> means they're jorts. They're not jorts. They're not jean shorts. They could be wider. You're right. <laughs> oh, they mate. could fan more. There was, I was watching an episode of Games Master for my podcast and there was a guy who came down and he was wearing three quarter length tartan shorts. And I was like, that's literally my style. That's what <laughs> I want to be wearing. He had that and a really baggy Cypress Hill t-shirt on. And I was like, that's what I want to look like. Mm. But I can't because I'm nearly 35 and it's not 1994 anymore. It's 2020 or whatever. So that's so I've, I've turned a bit of a corner on these posh jobs. Okay. I now half see the appeal. Because if you are spending a hundred quid on them and they do look like trousers, then that's probably fine because I didn't realize that she was wearing joggers. However, I still think that is a silly amount of money to spend on a pair of trousers. Okay, so we just made the issue more confusing. Did we? <coughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you stand anymore. And I'm now I feel a bit sad. Why? You don't like my jogging bottoms. You think they're unacceptable for work. Even though, you, even though you said that I could wear whatever I wanted. I didn't say they were unacceptable for work because they're perfectly acceptable for work. I just don't think they look like trousers. Okay. That's my point. Um, we <laughs> um, oh, uh, you forwarded me an email from, uh, from Rachel who said, you should have people submit yes. their own ideas for Hollywood movie vignettes on your uh, WrestleTalk Live episodes. I, think of, uh, I did think a few when you brought it up that uh, WrestleMania is taking place in Hollywood next year. Some of these are really good. So the trailer scene in Kill Bill Volume 2 with Becky as uh, Beatrix and Charlotte as L Driver monologuing then fighting. Yeah, that's such an obvious one. I don't know how we didn't think of that. Storm drain scene from It with Bray Wyatt and Shorty G. That is brilliant. The interrogation scene from The Big Lebowski with Buddy Murphy getting his head shoved in a toilet. (laughs) I really like that. Yeah. Baron Corbin is the king of straights in The Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. That's where you've gone off. That's TV. That's TV. Uh, And Seth Rollins doing the Big Lou scene from Fight Club with Samoa Joe as Big Lou. The Big Lou scene is where he's going round in the kitchen and telling everyone to... Yeah, his name was... Oh, what was his name? His name oh, his was meatloaf. Robert Paulson. Yes, his oh, name memory. is Robert Paulson. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you got any others? Well, I guess people uh, send in your submissions. Indeed. For wrestler Hollywood promos for next year's WrestleMania. Um, you might recall an email we had in from Dan a few whiles back that said, "Greetings from Baltimore. Um, hey, Luke. The rest of the Brave Boys at Wrestle Talk. I'm emailing you late as a follow-up to an email I sent about a month ago or so about WWE changing their belts from the buttons to Velcro straps. Do you remember this? No. And we said, 
we've not noticed the difference. Um, he said, I've sent some pictures to point it out. My reason for the email is to get your opinion on this because frankly, I hate it. I know mm. it's such a small detail and most haven't noticed or really don't care. Anyway, I'll get off my soup box. I think he means soapbox, but <laughs> I prefer soup box. And thank you uh, to answer my question. Wish you all the best of luck and thank you for providing such an excellent service. And he has sent some pictures. There is Becky Lynch holding the belt. And as you can see, like they haven't got the poppers on the back. But they have got the poppers on the inside. Yeah. And oh. you can see. Yeah, there's Seth holding his universal title. So that was a while ago. So you've got the poppers on the front, but they're just vanity poppers. I was, yes, what I'm trying to work out is whether they are just vanity poppers and it is like a Velcro thing as opposed to it being like the studded <sighs> belts that we've got. You're right. I don't like that. I mean, I don't like it either, but I've also never noticed it. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to affect me day to day, but I do think it's tacky. But maybe that's all we'll see now. Oh, no, it's going to be one of those things where Dan's ruined it for oh, everyone. Oh, Dan. Dan's ruined it for everyone. Oh, we bit them from the apple of knowledge. <laughs> uh, what are your plans for the weekend before we get out of here? Well, me and you, tomorrow. You said it's business, business, business. I more see it as algorithmic learning <laughs> which is we're going to vidcon yeah not as like the celebrities no, they go there speakers no absolutely not no we're going there to learn how youtube works from um gen x's and <laughs> um uh, baby boomers who are then going to try and tell us how as millennials how to appeal to gen zers you do say that uh, but i've been multiple years now this is the first time i'm bringing other people with me yeah just so we all become knowledgeable. Exactly. Pete is there today Pete's on there his today. own, taking notes, I hope. Yeah, I told him yesterday, you better take an analog pen and paper. Yeah. He was like, uh, I was just going to do it on my laptop. Like, hmm. Don't be Clickety that guy. clacking away. Yeah, don't be that guy. Uh, it'll probably just be playing Overwatch. <laughs> but when I went last year, everyone on the panel was under 20. And it made me feel like a piece of crap. Oh, yeah. So oh, that's so, going to be worse. Yeah, so it will usually be a 40 to 45-year-old man or woman who is the head of some form of advertising agency or multi-channel network. And then it will be three millionaires who are about 19. Yeah, children. Talking about stuff. And telling, you, telling us, who are you know nearing their 40s, how you should be appealing to them as, as consumers. Exactly. Yeah. I think that will actually make me feel worse. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah, it sucks either way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th these do come... Last year was where we found out that the colour yellow <laughs> is more effective than the colour red. And what else was effective? Looking directly into the camera for a thumbnail with your mouth slightly <laughs> open. Those are statistically the highest performing thumbnails on YouTube. And since you told me that, I can't not unsee it on every yeah. channel yeah. that like does a lot, like Cinemassacre, do it. Um, those two kids that um, Andy watches about 20 times a day. Rhett and Link. Yeah, um, they have those thumbnails. Mm -hmm. We tried it very unsuccessfully. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. There's a podcast one that I'm really looking forward to going to. The, uh, on, on the thumbnail chat, uh, the one that keeps on popping up in my recommended videos, no matter where I go, is Adam Pachita's stupid face with like a shocked half-open mouth. And it's the Wish video. You know, like all the yeah. stuff they bought for $500 or whatever it was from Wish. It's got like half a million views now. What? Yeah, I know. They do nothing. It's but good on them. 
They use the thumbnail. I mean, I've never heard of them. Effectively. So, yeah. Who knows what breakthroughs in YouTube thumbnailing there have been in the last year. Oh, I'm excited. We'll feed back to you folks. <laughs> so you get to essentially get all of our knowledge for now. Um, and what are you doing on Sunday? Well, I'm going back home for, Ooh, for a night. That's fun. My lady partner's busy. My mum and dad are very clingy emotionally. Mm. So I thought I will bless them with my presence. Do you think that your mum and dad have had empty nest syndrome? Yeah, massively. They yeah. love me yeah. so much. And my sister's okay. <laughs> and my, this, Your I sister this, is this podcast of a sibling. And weirdly, my sister has never moved more than 10 minutes away from them. Mm. But I've, And I think that just makes it worse. Like, they're, they're bored of my sister. Yeah. So when I come back, it's a huge deal. And it just makes my sister angrier. I love it. <laughs> I, um, I was talking to my parents about this, or I was talking to my mum about this recently, because um, you know, obviously we're looking to move, mm. which we're probably not going to be happening this year. We think it'll probably be something we do next year, um, just for the sake of money, because the housing market is too expensive. Um, but we, you know, we were looking towards uh, Royal Tunbridge Wells, or Tunbridge Wells, and my brother calls it Bumbridge Wells. And I was like, why? And he's like, because you're going to be further away from us. And Aww. I like that less. And I was like, actually, it's Royal Bunbridge Wells. Um, <laughs> and I, was, I told my mum this. I was like, yeah, Ben's a bit. Dis- Ben's quite upset because he, I mean, bearing in mind though, he lives in Mahuntleth, which is the arse end of nowhere. And he lived in like Sweden for a while. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's also made Double him standards. more like you know now that he's actually close to home, he wants to see us more. Um, and my parents moved away up to the Herefordshire, and I was like, yeah, it's going to be a longer drive for us as well. And I was like. Yeah, I know, but I can't just live close by. I've just got... say, but you do nothing, mum and dad. <laughs> you do nothing. Yeah. I mean, they are technically, I mean, my dad basically retired. My mum's borderline retired now. They're just going to be building, like, their house Exactly. Up. But, yeah, so I, I don't know if my parents definitely don't have em- emptiness syndrome, though. In fact, my dad keeps saying to me, like, almost every year on the dot, you know, you don't have to come for Christmas, right? Like, you Whoa. <laughs> I think what my dad is looking is for us to be, like, We'll have Christmas on our own and then we'll come up and see them on Boxing Day or the day after. Whereas my mum is like, no, you come here the day before Christmas Eve mm. and we'll be, you'll stay here until New Year. Damn right. Maybe even like five days after. <laughs> um, well, yeah, my dad is very much like, no, you just, just, just move away. Just be, you'll be fine. I've had enough of you. <laughs> um, right, so we, shall we get out of here then? Yes. Yeah, I think we'll bring this to a close. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back. Don't turn your mic pack off yet. I'm not. I'm don't. just prepping it. I'm just prepping the mic. Pack. Don't turn it off because it's going to make a horrible <gasps> sound. Don't do it. We'll be back next week with the Raw review, with the AEW NXT review. But before then, Pete, stop it. Pete, <laughs> and, and, oh, what? <laughs> oh, what? I'm just trying to edit round that now. Um, and Pete and Andy will be here tomorrow with the SmackDown review. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. What noise is it? I don't know. <laughs> Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 